Let's go and we'll do Yemei Chabad for the 23rd day of Iyar. Chav Gimel Iyar, and this is in the year Tafresh Pedala. This is basically 1924. Uh, as you know, the uh, Lubavitch uh, moved from uh, the city of Lubavitch in the years of the Rebbe Rashab, they moved to Rastov. Uh, but uh, at that point, this was the, what's the English date for the 23rd day of the year, in Tafresh Peydalet, in 684, it's 1923rd of the year, yeah. in uh, 684, that's 1924. Yeah, 90 May, years ago. May 27. That's May 27, 1924. Uh, that was when the previous Rebbe moved uh, to Leningrad. Okay, that's when he moved to Leningrad. The communist ter- terror was uh, in full force in that year, in the year 1924. And the goal was to detach the Jewish people from the Torah and the mitzvahs. The previous Rebbe who lived at that time in the city of Rastov, uh, he was single-handedly the only one who interfered with their activities and waged war against them without any fear and without any worries. He just stood up to them. Within his activities the previous Rebbe traveled to Moscow with the goal to organize and to strengthen these activities. The leaders of the Gepa'ud, or the NKVD, the KGB, it's at that time it's the, called them the Gepa'u. that was the uh, name for the secret uh, police over there, uh, of Rastov, they made a decision that they need to, once and for all, make an end to the activities of the Rebbe, and they had decided to uh, imprison the Rebbe as soon as he comes back to Rastov. That thing was somehow found out by the Hasidim, what they're intending to do. So after a, uh, a debate with the head of the uh, they had a discussion with the head of the KGB or the Gepo. They agreed that if the previous Rebbe is willingly going to leave on his own the city of Rastov, they're not going to arrest him. So two weeks before Shavuos, uh, the previous Rebbe was forced basically to leave Rastov and to go over to Leningrad, which is now Petersburg, of course. Uh, it's uh, Petersburg, it got the name back, it changed from Petersburg to Leningrad, and now it's back to Petersburg. Uh, while in Leningrad, the previous Rebbe increased his activities uh, that eventually, in 1927, brought to his arrest, and then eventually, uh, which led him out of, uh, of that country. Now, um, we know that a lot of times things happen and we, we, as, when they're happening we don't see sort of the benefit or it seems all bad but in reality a lot of times the thing that take place 
even though on the surface it seems bad for you, but it has um, a better cause. Now, there's two ways, as the Rebbe brings down in one of his talks, like we find, in this case, like with the previous Rebbe, you know, they terrorized him, they caused him so much uh, aggravation, but that led to his departure from that country eventually, and eventually transplanting into the United States. It's kind of hard to imagine or to figure out what would have happened, you know, what would have been. It's almost like the story with Yosef and his uh, and his uh, and his brothers, and they sold him, and eventually that led to the Jewish people establishing in Mitzrayim, and then eventually becoming a people from there. So history, you know, when you're living at a certain time in history, I mean, things seem to be really bad, or seems to be bad, but sometimes we you are fortunate to see later on in the big picture that things are, are well, you know, turn out to be good for you. So there, there is, the Rebbe brings us an analogy, it's an interesting analogy, that um, there, in the Gemara, in the Talmud, we find two types of approaches, that there were rabbis who, who would always try to see the good in the situation that they were facing. So one of the stories is about uh, a, a rabbi who, who would always say, uh, Rabbi Akiva, he uh, um, um, he would say, he would always say, uh, whatever God does is for the good. Whatever God does is for the good. So even when something bad happened to him, he would say, whatever God does is for good. And then there was another rabbi, he used to have a different language. Whenever something would happen, he would say, this is also for the good. The name was fellow was named Nochum. Actually, they called him Nochum Ish Gamzu. Nochum, the man who says Gamzu, this too. So they would always say, this is also for the good. Now, the Rebbe explains there's a little bit of a difference between these two approaches, even though they seem very similar. One would say, whatever God does is for the good. And the other one would say, this is Gamzu, this is for the good. The other one said it in Aramaic. This one said it in Hebrew. So, and Rebbe makes a note of it. Rebbe relates the story. What happened was with Rebbe Kiva that he one time, uh, as he was going on a journey, so he took along with him uh, his donkey that he would have it to uh, carry his his baggage, what his load. He also took along a rooster with him to wake him up in the morning. That was his alarm clock, right? And uh, and then. Um, and then he went on his, on his way. That was what he, what he went on his way. And when he came to the city where he was going to stay, he realized that he came um, late and the gates were closed already. And over there, once it's closed, it's closed. You can't get in. So he had to stay in the field. So he made his, he set himself up to sleep in the field. And, but in the field, there was no color, there was no shade, no cover. He put on he put on the little light that he had, the fire that he had, the lamp. He brought along a candle with him. And the candle was also so he can study at nighttime. So basically he had three things. He had the rooster, he had the donkey, and he had, his, uh, he had a candle to have some light. And then, you know, whatever bags, personal thing, items he had, or maybe some food so that, he, that he brought along. So, but now that he was open, there was no shelter. So there was a windy day. So the wind blew out his... His, his candle and 
because it was dark already, so you know, some one of the animals if they got hold of his rooster and made that up, and then you know, then somebody another was in the field, and somebody another animal took care of his donkey. So at the end of the day, he was left. He's left with with nothing. So, but he said, he said, whatever God has done is for the good. It's like Job. Yeah, but Job. Okay, well, wait. But Job. Okay, Job complained at the end. But good. So he said, whatever the God is for the good. So the Rebbe points out in this story over here, so what happened at the end of the story? The end of the story goes that there were bandits that came to the city at that night. They broke in and they, you know, devastated that city. The fact that he was outside saved his life. And the fact that there was no light there, there was no rooster making noises, and there was no donkey making noises, he ended up benefiting from it, and that was good. But it's interesting, Rebbe points out, but the interesting idea over here is, but there was a loss, but the loss was for a good cause. for a better purpose. So in other words, sometimes you feel a loss. It is a loss. He lost his donkey, he lost his rooster, he lost his lamp, yes. But what would have happened, he may have had it, but it would have been... Uh, he could have it, lost his life. He could have lost his life. So he got better, and that's, that's one way. Yeah, go ahead. No, but I think it, you have to be on a very high spiritual level to say that, because... I mean, you know, like the Holocaust or something like that. You, you can't. That'd be a hard thing to say. You know? Yeah. Okay. No, we're not trying to justify. Okay. Well, but he's saying that what he, it, what he felt in his in his heart. It's like saying somebody. Okay. Do you believe that? Just ask you. Do you believe that? That what? Uh, or? Do I believe that? I mean, yeah. I, I hope so. I, I know. I know that the everything that comes from Hashem is is good. But I know that sometimes we don't we don't see it. Sometimes we don't understand it. Right. But, you know, from the Abish, the verse says that everything comes from Hashem is good, is positive. The only thing is that, you know, we, we, we are looking for open goodness and open kindness. Listen to the next story, and then you'll see. Then we can uh, discuss a little further. Uh, the next story was with Nochem Gamzu. But in this case, the point I'm trying to point out is he lost something, but it was for a better purpose. So, in other words, you can't say he didn't lose anything. He lost his, his some things, but it was for a better cause. But in the other case is the story of Nochum Ishgamzu, in which there was a decree, the Romans made a decree, the king or the emperor over there, and they were looking for someone to go along to try to change the emperor's mind, you know, to uh, change the decree. So they picked Nochum Ishgamzu, he was a righteous man, they picked him. And, but he was a very innocent, a very, uh, he was a very believing person. So when he was stayed overnight in a certain place, uh, the people sent along with him you know, a, a, ba- a, ba- a box of, uh, of jewels and you know, some expensive uh, uh, stuff to give as a gift to the king, hopefully to the emperor, so hopefully he would uh, you know, uh, accommodate the, his request. But when he came to sleep over in the, in the inn, you know, he plays down. The people were asking him what it is. So he said, well, I'm bringing a gift to the... Uh, he told the people instantly. But those guys weren't uh, upright people. And they saw there was a treasure in there. So at nighttime, when he was sleeping, they emptied out the treasure. But they didn't just empty out the treasure. They they filled it up with sand. They took from there, they filled it up with sand. Filled up the box with sand. And they... Next morning, he gets up. He sees it's, it's heavy. It's not the same. Then he opens it up. He sees it's sand. It's not anymore the 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 jewelry, the the jewels, the 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 the, the, the diamonds, the whatever the expensive stuff that he brings is not there anymore. But what does he say? He says Gamzulatova. He says this is for the good. You know, he says this is for the good. He goes on. He goes to the king, 
Uh, and uh, he says, the Jews are asked, sent me to ask to the emperor. He says, the Jews asked me to ask you to change your mind. And then here's a gift that they're sending him. And they open it up and they see that there's sand in there. Would you come to make fun of the emperor? You're bringing him sand as a gift? What is going on with him? In the meantime, it says, the Talmud says that God had Elijah the prophet, who a lot of times comes in as uh, dressed up and as a human being. He appeared to be like one of the officers of the king, of the emperor over there, of the court. And he says to the emperor, you know, he says, we have a tradition that Abraham waged war, it says in the, in the Chumash, that he waged war against all those mighty um, kings, and he was able to be victorious. How, how did he win, the, how was he able to win that war? So he said they had, he had like a magical sand, that when he would throw that sand, that sand turned into arrows. And by throwing and turning into arrows, you know, they killed all the enemies. So he says to the king, the Jews wouldn't just send you uh, a gift to make fun of you. It must be, let's try it out. Maybe, maybe this has uh, some, some hidden powers as well. You know, the emperor, they always had war, so they didn't have any shortage of places to, to try it out on. So he was waging war, and lo and behold, throws it out, it turns into arrows. So now the king, the emperor, is no longer angry. He's on the contrary. This is like the greatest gift you can give. And he says to them, what could I do for you? And they annul, annul the uh, decree, and the Jews were saved. And not only that, he sent them along back a whole treasure with gifts from the king to bring back. So now, on the way back, he's going back to that inn where he stood the last time around. And the guys are seeing him over there. They see, he says, what happened? He says, you know, he tells them innocently. He says, you know, you won't believe it. He says, you know what? Somebody put sand into my, uh, into my box. And um, it's miracle. Uh, it was a miraculous. Is that a, oh, wow. Now they thought. Because, so they quickly, they didn't tell him anything. And they quickly went to the backyard, filled up a whole ten boxes with all the sand, and they're bringing it to the king. Now they figure to the emperor, now they're going to become rich, because they're going to bring him all the sand. And he says, uh, to the, to the, comes to the king, to the emperor, he says, look, we have all this miraculous done. And the emperor says, yeah, how, wow. He goes out and tries it out. All the people almost got killed. It didn't work. There's no arrows. There's nothing. <laughs> nothing is happening. So the emperor says, hey, what's going on here? What did you get? So they had to confess the whole story. So the king gave them their punishment that they deserved because not only they gave, so they got their punishment. And Nochomish Gamzu, of course, was the hero because he came out saying. So in this story, the Rebbe says, over here, it wasn't only that uh, something good came out, but actually the fact that they changed and they took the jewels out and they put in the sand was to his benefit. Because it turns out, had he brought the king just the jewels, well, we don't know, the king has plenty of jewels, so, you know, it could have helped, it could have not helped. But in this case, it definitely helped. So the exchange that took place wasn't a loss, it was actually a lot better. And Rabbi explains because Rabbi Kiva, uh, he was a student, he was later on, this was already when the exile started to, it was a little bit more disguised. Sometimes God's 
in the time of Nochum Ishgamzu, they can see God's goodness in a more clear way. It's said in Hebrew, it's in a more clear way. He can see that what happened to him was actually good, not bad. That was very open. In the other case, it's not as open. It's more disguised, it's more hidden, because you can't see it, but still, is the head of Hashem. Now, to go back to the question that you bring before, do I, is do, do people see? Uh, of course, we all, if we open our eyes, we can all find in our lives situations. That doesn't mean that every situation you can explain, and that doesn't mean that when the situation, you're confronted with certain situations, uh, it's upsetting and it's hard and it's depressing and it becomes very difficult. That's a given. But in your own life, you can certainly find cases and situations in which you thought that this was like the end and this is the terrible and this is bad. And then you see there's actually not only, sometimes you can see it, well, it was for a better purpose, but sometimes you can see, like in Ochomish Gamsu, it was actually to your benefit. And I can see it, you ask me, I see it. I don't see it all the time. A lot of times when you're facing challenges, uh, you say, oh, you know, how it is. And what I try to tell myself, to answer your question more, a little bit more, when I try to tell myself sometimes when, you know, when I face challenges, you know, whatever challenges, I tell myself, hey, last year, how did you think? You think you wouldn't survive? You're here? You're better? Yeah. So, you know what? Be smart and know. Look beyond your, your challenge. Now, is there sometimes things bad that we perceive that do happen? We have no explanation? Yeah, but over there, of course, we always have to go back to the point that we can't understand. That doesn't mean that we're, we could understand, we should not understand, just because... Uh, you know, you, you say there's a lot of search situations that I can't explain, especially you as a doctor. Sometimes you see kids, r- kids suffering and you see kids with illnesses and you, you, you don't see any purpose in that. You know, I understand. So, you know, I'm not, we're, not, we're, we're not God. We, don't, we, we can't understand those things. And we're not, we're not even trying to attempt to explain all the situations. In general, the principle is, I just want to say this also, and we'll continue on to the next uh, Next topic, the Shulchan Aruch a little bit, but I want to just say this. For oneself, if a person has difficulties in their lives, or something happens, that should be a wake-up call for that person individually. So in other words, uh, things going in routine and something happens to your life. So what does that mean? Is that a message? Of course, you should, a person should say that if something happens to, in my life, something which is upsetting, it may be somebody's calling to me, Hashem is calling me, that we got to do better, that we got to do something to become... Now, you say to yourself, we talked about it in the shul, well, why me? Well, I'm trying to be better. Why am I getting all of a sudden this call? Well, you know what? Whoever God loves, a parent will rebuke his own son. He won't rebuke somebody else's son. Why? Because he loves his son. So therefore, sometimes he'll, he'll be, have to discipline him. He won't discipline somebody else's son. Sometimes when God sort of sends you a message, it doesn't mean because he hates you, it means because he loves you. It only means that uh, you are, because you're closer to Hashem, you are sensitive enough that Hashem will give you a message. Another person is wasted on maybe because they don't even recognize messages and they won't hear it. So that's, that's one possibility. But that's 
when you're looking at your own self and you try to examine. The same thing is we as a collective. When things happen to the Jewish people, when things happen in Israel, when things happen, you're talking about a Holocaust, you're talking... Of course, that, what is the message to us as people that we got to do something about it, not just uh, say, well, it just happened, and we're going to say it's just like that. we got to say, well, is there something to do to improve? Can we find ways to better ourselves, do something to remedy or try to change a bad decree, tire change? That is our obligation. On the other hand, if you see another person having a problem, it's not your place to say, well, the guy's having a problem, he must have done something wrong, you know, or or the Jewish people had a Holocaust because they did something wrong. He That's he absolutely, it. he deserves it. That's absolutely, no, no, you can't, you're not allowed to. That, that's a terrible avera uh, to say person. that. Yeah. Well, no, no, we're not, we, we're not, we can't act God. We don't know what God does, why he does what he does. And we can't pass judgment on anyone, know. on any person. It's not our job, yeah? And right. it's so not, a, we don't know. Someone who cheats, or you know they cheat, and then they get cancer. Well, and usually we don't see the direct correlation. You know, in the time that the temple was standing in the Beis Hamikdash, there were miracles more open. People can see part of being in exile, part of being outside of is exactly that. Is precisely this that we don't see the connection. We don't see. We have it's it's like it's like a dream in which conflicting, you know, realities can coexist together in a dream which don't make really rational sense when you're up. So a person who's rational is looking at the world and he says, well, I don't understand that. Now, what you're saying is if you can see directly a person who's cheating gets sick, that would be a different story. But uh, a, uh, we, don't, we don't usually see that in most cases. In most cases, sometimes you'll see somebody who's Righteous get sick, and then you'll say, "Well, why is he getting sick?" And the answer is, we don't know the ways. But Bad things happening to good people. Yeah, but it's not. Yeah, but the the, the we, we do know that there is accountability. Hashem takes has the accounting. It's not for us. We don't know what it is. We don't really know what is bad, what is suffering, and everything else. You know, we, we just have a very finite, a very limited look at things. So again, uh, we ask and we pray and we hope. And we deserve, I could say, that everything should be open on a, on, a, on a good level. But if we ever do have to face challenges ourselves, we have to say to ourselves is, well, what is there that we can do to, to do a little bit better so that we can sort of better ourselves and hopefully get rid of those challenges? That's, that's our obligation. Uh, the the, the Pasuk talks about in the verses, he says that, you know, Hashem says that the punishment will come if you don't do the right thing, and that you, uh, Rambam says, if you think things that are just happening because nature is no, no such a thing, that makes God even more angry or upset if people don't get the message, don't take the message, don't take it to heart. Uh, like Yonah. The, yeah, and like Yonah, yeah. The, uh, the, he realized that he needs to uh, listen. Isn't that like the second verse of the Shema? Yeah. You know, if you don't listen, all these bad things are going to happen to you. Yeah, well, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't talk so much about bad. It talks if you do listen, the good things are going to happen to you. I thought the second verse Yeah, over there it says. Yeah. You know, but. And then the Torah adds later on. 
and we'll stop the rain and that. But it's mainly Torah wants to tell you the positive. If not, he says, you know, what what happened. I think that also is when someone dies, you know, they say Baruch Dayan Emet. That's accepting. That you know, judgment. That you can be angry that a loved one died or you know, or even if they weren't old or whatever, but you accept that God had a purpose for that. Yeah, and to God is the judge, and it's not that the things are not just happening. You're admitting that's why. That's, that's actually another special prayer that people do at the time, you know, of the burial. There is what's called the tzidok hadin, that is the accepting Hashem's judgment. You know, Diana uh, Emes is basically saying that whatever God just does, He's the true judge, and He knows. And we do that at the uh, most, uh, I guess, emotional moment, you know, when we do the rendering of the garment, you know, when, when we do uh, Kriya, uh, and we still accept, we still recognize that Hashem uh, is, and, you know, that's, it's a balance between um, accepting right. and praying for good, and it's that's t- it. It's tough, especially if it's, you know, a parent or... Yeah, absolutely. Go, you know, you're, you're hurting so bad, and then you go... Absolutely. Right. Yeah. That's but that's the power of. Um, it's hard. That's the power of the um, of the people. You know. I just want to leave you with one more thought on this on this subject. Um, Eli Wiesel once um, said to the Rebbe. So I heard. Uh, how could you uh, uh, after such a devastation? How could you continue believing in God after the Holocaust? And the Rebbe expects to answered him, after such a Holocaust, who do you expect me to believe in, man? <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, so who who are we gonna? So it's basically the only one we can believe is is in God because other than that, all humanity doesn't you know doesn't make it doesn't make sense. Yeah.